difference this Easter tide, we've been looking at the building of the new church. And so our passage today comes from the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, the first three verses. And then we move over to the 14th chapter, verses 8 through 18. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod, the ruler, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. In Lystra, There was a man sitting who could not use his feet and had never walked, for he had been crippled from birth. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And the man sprang up and began to walk. When the crowds saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycanian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer a sacrifice. When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are mortals just like you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to follow their own ways, yet he has not left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, it is my ardent prayer that your Holy Spirit would come and be in every word of the sermon that is spoken. Take this act of preaching and make it ever and only of you. May your Holy Spirit do the speaking this day, we pray. Amen. There was a medieval theologian who called the work of being a pastor or a preacher an odd and wondrous calling. It is a wondrous calling what I get to do. I get to see babies when they're first born. I get to comfort those who grieve as they say goodbye to their loved ones. And it is always a privilege and an honor I get to comfort the sick and I get to celebrate the joys in people's lives. It is the greatest calling, but it's also pretty odd. Take the act of preaching, for example. Now, I will tell you that I and every pastor I know has a good, healthy ego and we love a compliment. 
After all, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. But the truth is this, that all preaching is the work of the Holy Spirit. I meant those words I just said. If there is anything in a sermon that means something to you, that lands on you in some way, that's not Tara, that's the Holy Spirit. It is true that God works through people, but I know that the word of proclaiming God's word is so big that it's something I could never do. Actually, Every worship service, when we have the prayer of confession, the time for silent confession, I say the same thing every week. Father, forgive me. I didn't do enough. I didn't practice enough. I didn't prepare enough. I haven't done enough to possibly, to possibly proclaim the word of God. And yet, the Holy Spirit comes and moves and sometimes makes meaning of this act of preaching. It would seem ridiculous to accept a compliment on behalf of what the Spirit has done, but I will. We have in our passage today Paul and Barnabas, and they have come to an area where people are ascribing to them the work of the Holy Spirit. If you'll remember, the book of Acts is always a book about the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember how it begins? The book of Acts begins with the disciples gathered and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. We're told in the book of Acts that it's like tongues of fire that falls upon them. And before, where no one could understand each other because of different language, suddenly they can speak and hear It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit in the world. And the Holy Spirit takes these disciples and sends them out to share the good news. Now, in every place in the book of Acts that the disciples have gone up until this point, they've gone to communities that were predominantly Jewish. There are some Gentiles But they have been predominantly Jewish communities. And so when the disciples are called to tell the people who Jesus Christ is, they start with the story from the Pentateuch, from the very beginning of creation. And they show how God brought the world into being and that God said he would send a Messiah and Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But we have in the last pericope from last week, we have the story of Peter who has a vision three times from the Holy Spirit. And in the vision, he learns that he should go to Gentiles, that Gentiles should be welcomed into the church. It is the single most important event in the New Testament that not only will the word of Jesus Christ be for people who have formerly been Jews, but it will be for you and for me, those of us who are not part of the Jewish community. It was the Holy Spirit who told Peter that. And now we have Paul and Barnabas who have been set aside. They have laid hands upon them and they've been told to go out and share the good news. And they come to Lystra. And friends, for the first time, they are in a city that is entirely Gentile. They are in a city that is entirely Gentile. It is a Roman city. And that means that this is a group of people who know all about the Roman pantheon of gods. 
They've learned that there's a God for each thing in their lives that they should pray to and that they should sacrifice to. And so when they come into Lystra and they heal the man who has never been able to walk, they think one of the Roman gods has come to us. They're so excited. They start calling them Zeus and Hermes. They think surely these are the gods come to life. And Barnabas and Paul are mortified. They cannot believe this. They're upset for a couple of very important reasons. The first is that Paul and Barnabas, like every minister, know how sinful and human they are. Paul and Barnabas are doing a good work because God has allowed it. But make no mistake, Paul and Barnabas are going to get in a big argument in just a couple of chapters. And they're going to split up, never to work with each other again. They know who they are. They know that on their own, they don't heal people. It is only through the work of the Holy Spirit. But they're also upset because to say that Paul and Barnabas are God is to say that the Holy Spirit isn't at work. It diminishes the Holy Spirit to ascribe humans to the work that is being done. This is the gravest, most sinful thing in the eyes of Paul and Barnabas. Because what Paul and Barnabas want and what we as a church should do is that we should be a people who can identify the Holy Spirit at work in the world. Paul and Barnabas want you to know that any sort of healing is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I would say to you today that any sort of healing is the work of the Holy Spirit. God just works through trained medical professionals. And so in order to explain to them that they're not gods, they have to tell them this. And Paul gives this very eloquent sermon. And he starts by telling them that they should turn to the living God. And he wants to remind them that God has cared for them their whole lives long. But they don't have that shared tradition of the Old Testament. So Paul does it this way. He says, look, it was God who created the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them. It was God who gave rains from heaven so that food could grow. It was God who has given you fruitful seasons. And he goes on to say, it is God who has put joy in your heart when you feel it. It's not even about that long history. It's about looking around them and realizing that the good things of life come from Almighty God and that we discount the Spirit when we don't say, this is a gift of the Holy Spirit come from God. And so you and I, we should be a people who can also identify the Holy Spirit I think there's a lot of talk in the world about how God isn't at work, how there is more evil than good. We have to be the people who can look around and say, ah, there's the Holy Spirit at work in the world. If you want to know a place to start, start on this gorgeous spring day that I don't know about you, but it fills me with joy to see the beauty of the natural world. Friends, that's a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what Paul says in our scripture today. We have to find the places where the Holy Spirit is at work and name it so that the Spirit isn't discounted. 
Brett and I, our associate pastor, were thinking about that before he went on his parental leave. During COVID, we started a podcast, the Rocket City Lift podcast, and we decided a a month ago that we were going to change up the format. And one of the things we have done is at the beginning of the podcast, we ask each other, where have you seen the Holy Spirit at work? Where have you seen the Holy Spirit at work? Brett Brett got one podcast in before they had that baby girl. I bet he's really seen the Holy Spirit at work now. I'll tell you where I've seen the Holy Spirit at work this week. First, there was last night when each of my daughters sat at our dinner table with a friend. And after dinner was over, Brian and I went and tried to watch TV, but we couldn't because they were laughing and giggling far too loud. It brought joy in my heart, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit, friends. I have seen God at work in this church When Tricia Smith went to join the church triumphant and so many people in this church reached out and said, let us bring you a meal. Let us provide a reception. Let us care for you in your loss. That's the Holy Spirit at work through ordinary people and it is beautiful. Where have you seen the Holy Spirit at work? We have to be a people who can name it and identify it because to not do so is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and take credit for it ourselves. So many years ago, this is all I know about golf, there was a man, there is a man named Peter Dawson, and he's an English golfer. And one of the oldest golf clubs in the world is the one at St. Andrews, Scotland. It has the best name, It's called the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews. For many years, Peter Dawson was the president. And after his term has ended, he was asked by a reporter, what do you want your legacy to be having been president here? And in that, shall I say, snobby way that only some of the English can, Peter Dawson said, we don't do legacies at the Royal and Ancient I was just given something to take care of and I hope I left it better than I had, than it was when I got it. We don't do legacies. I was given something to take care of and I hope I left it better than when I got it. We don't do legacies in the church, do we? We don't necessarily name people who have been the leaders, although sometimes we do, but we really shouldn't. Because what we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working within us. We hold that treasure. We share it with others. May we leave it better than when we got it. That's what the church is to be. A place that had the Holy Spirit working in it for a while. And those of us who paid attention, well, we got the privilege of seeing it from a front row seat. And we hope that for the generations to come, the spirit will still be alive and well in this place. Working through sinful people, but working nonetheless. Thanks be to God and amen.